Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Conversations That Matter podcast. On the beach right now, I'm in uh, Santa Barbara, California. My wife and I decided to take one night and go somewhere. We've been staying in uh, LA and uh, Santa Barbara is really nice. I've driven through here. I've never actually stayed here and I highly recommend it. Of course, <laughs> it is more expensive than sometimes you initially think. Like uh, booking a hotel room was uh, the fee I thought that I was going to get from or, or pay was not the fee I actually paid because there's uh, there was over $30. I think I was, it was like 40 bucks of just local. I wasn't even state, just local fees. Uh, and so it's a tourist area in California. And uh, it's, um, I, I don't know how much you'd have to make to live here, but I think it'd be a pretty penny. Uh, beautiful though, beautiful scenery, beautiful uh, nightlife. You have mountains, you have uh, the ocean right here. And um, anyway, just figured I would take a little walk by the beach and show you uh, kind of what I'm enjoying for those. I know some of you uh, don't get a chance to go to the West Coast. You can maybe see the mountains behind me there. Yeah, sort of. There they are. Mountains and palm trees. And I wish it was more than a day. But um, I wanted to talk about uh, a few things. I'm not exactly sure where this conversation is going to land. But uh, I was having a conversation with my brother few days ago and uh, he apprised me of something I had not been paying uh, much attention to because let's face it how many of us Americans actually pay attention to international politics it's probably one of our weaknesses uh, on in the political realm at least we tend to pay attention to what's happening in our country but there's a lot happening all over the world and um, I try to every once in a while I'll go to the Epoch Times website that's probably the news website I go to more than any other. And uh, I'll read Chronicles articles sometimes. But other than that, I'm not seeing much. And he tends to look at, uh, I believe, the BBC and some other left-leaning websites. But they give international politics, uh, that takes on international politics. And so he was telling me that Brazil is in turmoil right now. And he explained the whole thing with their president, who's more conservative. And of course, unfortunately, I guess, hated by conservative media in our country and kind of marked as a fascist or something. I, I don't know uh, a lot about him. What I do know is that uh, he is opposed to Marxists in Brazil, though, and that uh, he has a lot of popular support. But Put that on the shelf for a moment who you know the his policies and all that he was elected in a landslide in 2018 well there's another election coming up and the expectation because they've been watching what happened here in 2020 is that there's going to be funny business and the supreme court has a lot of say apparently in the whole presidential election process and there's uh, some heavy suspicion that the Supreme Court is going to get involved and it's going to be rigged, essentially. And so there's a lot of turmoil there and the possibility of uh, violence and revolution. And, and I thought, wow, when, I, when he was telling me all about this, I said, wow, you know, I didn't even uh, 
know about that situation. And, um, and then, uh, yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago now, uh, the, uh, what was trending on line was this Nord Stream 2 pipeline and how it's been blown up in, in a section at least. And the United States, of course, is being blamed for it. Uh, and it, it looks pretty bad. It looks very much like it could be the United States uh, that did this. And I'm, I'm just <laughs> on this beautiful beach, right? You want to talk about World War III? Look at this. <laughs> doesn't seem to match what I'm talking about, I guess. But really the, the main thing that I wanted to say is that things can change really quickly. We saw that in 2020. But, I mean, they can change even more drastically and more quickly sometimes. Um, think about World War II or World War I or really almost any war. But, I mean, you have a, an assassination, the Archduke Ferdinand, and then within a year, the, the whole of Europe is just in tatters. And World War II happened very quickly. Um, I think we are already in World War III, personally, but it's, it's more similar to the Cold War right now. And there's more of a, a technological uh, warfare going on. And there's a lot of uh, spying and espionage and all, all the stuff we associate with the Cold War. But it could go hot real quick. And with, with all the instability and turmoil around the world and angst and uh, the different globalist uh, elites, uh, elites who want to push globalism but have different ideas about what that should look like, fighting with one another, we could have a major war in no time. And that, that's just a possibility. And so what does that mean for us? What it, is there anywhere you can go to escape this? Can you just hey, come out to a beautiful place like this and say, I'm just going to hunker down. Uh, I'm going to kind of take whatever I've saved and just uh, purchase Patriot food supply packets or something. Uh, make sure if you do that, though, you need to get some Gold River green tea with it. But am I going to go to Alaska or some remote place and just hide out? Or yeah, how do I escape this? I think that's a natural human uh, desire. We want to try to avoid pain and hardship. And I don't think that's always even a wrong thing. I think that's something that, uh, to some extent, God put that in us. That's we're we're wired that way. We have nerve endings. And when we get hurt, we recoil in pain. We say, we think to ourselves, I'm not going to do that again. Um, I don't, I want to avoid that. That's what keeps us safe. But sometimes, especially for Christians, we have to put a stop to the reflex we might most naturally have for a few reasons. One, and the main one in my mind, is that serving Christ means making disciples of the nations. And there's no option for us that doesn't include ministering to people doesn't mean you need to be in an urban environment. You can be in a rural environment, but there needs to be people that you're ministering to. It means that we need to take the dominion mandate seriously, which includes, among other things, being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. And um, 
that, that's a general command, I believe. It's, it's not, I know there's single people out there that this doesn't, uh, that it's gonna look different or at least it doesn't uh, apply to directly, perhaps depending on what stage of life you're in. But in general, that's something that we should be facilitating. And obviously you have to be in an environment where that's possible, where you can generate uh, an income, support a family, raise children, and being a hermit in the woods or, or on a beautiful beach like this, uh, as I've passed many people who are, um, wow, that is stunning. That is absolutely stunning right here. You got the sun coming up and you got boats back there. I, anyway, I need to get back to what we're talking about here. So, um, I, you know, as I look around in California, there's a lot of homeless people too. And different stories for different ones, but for some of them, that is the, that is the story of their life. They've, they, they can get paid uh, or at least get benefits. I mean, I see several of them with cell phones uh, to, they don't need to work. They don't need to take responsibility. They can just kind of hang out at the beach if they want. And some of them, that's a choice. They, they prefer that. And I just think as Christians, we have responsibilities. We have commands, we have obligations. We're supposed to care for our, our households, uh, pro provide for them. We're supposed to provide for the next generation, including uh, saving up an inheritance for our children's children. We have commands from the Lord. Spiritual gifts we're supposed to be serving within the church. It doesn't change even when things get dire politically, globally. Uh, so we need to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And so what does that look like in my life? Well, I probably am not the poster child for uh, trying to outlast or survive whatever it is that might be coming. But, you know, I, I do take some healthy precautions. And that means being able to defend myself. That means being able to uh, know how to use uh, some, I'm trying to be delicate since I have to go back home to New York here. And even in California, the, the laws are not such that they are favorable to people who are into the second amendment, but read between the lines. <laughs> you gotta be able to defend your family in that way and be proficient at it. You don't wanna be just someone who buys, purchases uh, tools that you don't know how to use. Uh, speaking of tools, you need to know some basics on how to repair uh, mechanics for, for your car, if you're a man. Um, I'm, I'm talking specifically to men. I mean, it'd be good for women to know too, but uh, I think, um, you know, knowing how to uh, fix stuff around the house, maybe even build stuff, build furniture. I mean, um, I, I think changing your hobbies around too to more productive and useful ends can be very helpful. I know people who have done this where, you know, their, their hobbies used to be, there just wasn't much to take away from it after there wasn't a product. But when you have uh, activities you can be involved with that have a tangible product at the end, uh, of the process or get, or, or you learn a skill that's beneficial, that can be a better w use of your time. And sometimes it can be more enjoyable. Um, so gaining skills, one of the things that I aspire to is learning another language. And, and so if you live in the United States, Spanish is the most common language to learn. And I think that's a really good language to learn, but I think, um, thinking a little outside the box and thinking, okay, wh what are the world's superpowers 
that if they gained influence, ascendancy in this country, or if there was a war and they won, what language would I want to know? Not a very pleasant thought, but learning the language can be fun. So maybe learn Chinese <laughs> or Russian or uh, a language that you think is going to be important on the global stage at some point. Uh, know your Bible obviously really well. And that's probably, if we're looking at the order of priorities, that, that really should be up there, number one. But uh, know what the, the Word of God expects and know how to teach the Word of God, understand and, and, and uh, relay the truths in it so that you're not held captive by worldly philosophies and by uh, false prophets, false teachers. Um, along this line, I just wanted to say, because I, I put this out uh, this morning on social media, you know, people ask me about what seminaries to go to. How do I know where to go that's safe so I can learn the Bible? And my response is, you know, <laughs> seminaries are some of the last places I trust at this point. And it's very hard for me. I don't really have a lot that I can say to people to assure them, hey, you're, this is a good seminary or you should go here. Because from 2014 to 2017, before MLK 50, before David Platt's infamous speech on racial disparities at T4G, I was writing blogs about what I was seeing out there, public blogs. And I, I put links to these. Um, you can go to the info section on this video, I'll try to see if, I'll try to remember to put them there, but they're definitely posted on my social media uh, pages. And in 2014, I was noticing that young evangelicals were against, becoming more and more against the American dream. I defended the American dream. Uh, I defined it, so you have to go look at the article, but I, I noticed something was wrong. 2015, uh, I wrote a, an article defending our border from un unvetted refugees in response to specifically evangelical opposition in 2017. Uh, I wrote two articles defending our history from specifically evangelicals, virtue signaling, anti-racism talking points and correspondence with BLM. In 2017, I defended political conservatism against specifically evangelical support for Democrat narratives and also defended in an article, the true gospel against a Marxist derived racial reconciliation gospel pushed specifically by evangelicals. And these are all things I was, I, the only reason some people have wondered, like, how did you see that or no? And I'm like, I had the benefit of being in seminary. So I saw where the sausage was made. But I think more than that, my parents gave me a pretty strong biblical framework. And when I went to secular university, I had to apply that. It was a grid. I had to be discerning. I was prepared. There were I knew the ideas I was gonna get were gonna be in opposition and I had to look for them and make sure that I didn't imbibe them. And I'm, you know, it's very possible. I'm, I'm, actually, it's very probable that I did imbibe some of them just because it's very hard uh, with the amount of error that we are being fed to shine the light of truth. But I know where the truth is. I know how to work through it. I have the tools. And if I'm corrected, which happens, I get things wrong sometimes and people correct me. And when they go back to the Word of God and they use, as Martin Luther said, uh, reason and scripture, then I know, I know what to do. I know the process. I know how to find truth. 
And that's the important thing is being able to know how to find truth. So when you um, encounter these different obstacles to truth, something goes off in your head and you think, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, that's, not, that's not even what makes common sense. So learning how to think and specifically how to think and reason your way through scripture, I think is gonna be of vital importance. Uh, and of course it's necessary, especially if you're raising children and, and leading a family, you, you have got to know uh, the Bible. And so these aren't things that are really uh, revolutionary. It, you know, the things that make sense for everyday life, whether there's emergencies or wars or rumors of wars or not, make sense in the uh, they make sense in, in the normal course of life. They make sense in the, in the times of emergency. They, they always make sense. And so it's a matter of just being prepared. And I think also, if I could add something to it, and this is probably one of the ones that I'm not as good at, but I need to get better at, it's also prioritizing what's important. Uh, over the last week, there have been some social media scuff, scuffling and just... Uh, some arguments that I, I'm not on Twitter anymore, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, but some people, um, and, and some of you very well-meaning, and I understand, I totally understand, want me to get involved uh, with, with some questions that, you know, maybe at some point I will, but what I've, I've learned that I don't need to necessarily react to everything that happens online. And and this is for all of us, I think. Our minds don't need to be held captive to that. We're not, our minds shouldn't be held captive to Twitter algorithms. And now I know I sound a little bit like Russell Moore, don't I? Because he attributes social media algorithms to all the division among us. And I don't think that's the case. I think there's fundamental diametrically opposed differences we have and they're playing out on social media. And uh, it's, yeah, certain people are profiting from rage and everything, but that's nothing new. It's just taking, it's just in a different uh, format, a different platform. But I think we as Christians do need to guard our minds. We do need to take our thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. And that means, in part, we can't be obsessed with social media. Here's a few things that I have asked myself that have helped me determine whether or not I'm too focused on what's happening in the news cycle, which changes now every hour. When I get up in the morning, do I check social media first or do I pray first? Uh, when I go to bed at night, is that the last thing I do? Or uh, have ha, is my phone somewhere else or, or at least turned off or if it's turned on, it, it's not accessible. Um, I'm not using it. That's hard. That's a hard one for a lot of us, isn't it? We. We're used to it now so much. Um, if something is said about me online, sometimes you got to respond. I'm not saying you don't, but is the gut reaction that you must, uh, you, the, this is of the highest priority, drop whatever you're doing and focus only on that to the detriment of other responsibilities you might have. Well, that's a, a bit of a general question, but apply it to your own life and your own situation. What does God want you to do? You know, if you haven't, if you're a husband and you haven't really discipled your wife yet that day, or you're not regularly in the word with her, uh, should you be 
spending that energy and that time on social media arguing with people who probably aren't really putting a lot of time into their own families. Um, these are all just questions that I think, wow, that's beautiful. Look at this. Man, speaking of priorities, this is part of what's making me think of it. I'm looking out and I'm thinking, my goodness, God is so beautiful and awesome and just is absolutely beautiful here. And wouldn't I rather be walking here looking at this, praising the Lord, than, um, than online fighting battles right now? And there's times to fight battles. There definitely is. Absolutely. Obviously, you're hearing this from me, and I believe that uh, that's a big part of my platform is trying to hedge against these errors. But we've got to remember the main thing. And so I'm saying this to myself because I don't always keep that balance where it should be and I'm getting better, but um, I, I want to be more about God's reputation than my own or even necessarily, you know, the, my political allies in this country. I, I want to, um, I'm on team Jesus, right? And God is doing a work in this world and guess what? It makes more of a difference when you spend time praying about a problem than it does, I believe, put it, putting it in God's hands, giving it to him, than it does putting our own efforts into it. That doesn't mean we don't put our own efforts into things. We definitely do. That's the means God uses most often. But, but we need to, to give it to him and to trust in him and to have faith in him and not to put our trust in chariots and horses. And I, I definitely see some tendencies out there to um, sometimes alliance with people maybe we necessarily shouldn't or to in tighter ways than maybe we necessarily should. I think there's a place for co-belligerency, but to um, put our trust in horses and chariots into political solutions ultimately and to function as if those are the only solutions uh, and, and they're not. And God, whatever's coming, whatever you're worried about, that could happen geopolitically. The Lord is in control still. We just, we have to remember that. He was in control in Soviet Russia and communist China, even when horrible things happen that I, I will fight as hard as I can to make sure they don't happen in this country. But despite all my best efforts and despite all your best efforts, sometimes bad things are gonna happen, aren't they? And that's where our true faith is gonna be challenged. I was talking to someone the other day about just living a dystopian life and seeing the dysfunction and the evil and how, how do you do this? And, and of course, we have, we have Daniel in scripture. We have a model to look at to see how you do that. How, how do you, is there a way to try to even rise in the ranks and become a good influence when everything around you is evil? I mean, Daniel was head of the Magi. I mean, my goodness, that's... Now I'm in charge of all these false uh, priests. <laughs> Great. So, but he, he had authority and he didn't compromise. He wasn't doing a political calculation in his head every five seconds. And that's really what I'm trying to discourage you and myself from doing is let's not think the political, let's not, not everything's political. And we gotta turn it off sometimes. And if you can't handle it, then sometimes it is wise to 
focus on the things that you actually have influence and responsibility toward. And uh, some of us might think we're doing a, a lot on social media. Some of us are, but sometimes that impact is minimal compared to the impact you can have on those you tangibly know around you. And um, most especially the your family and your church, the responsibilities God's given you. So anyway, uh, I was talking to this person and I was just, I, I said, you know, there may be a responsibility or a, a, a time, there may be a, a scenario that you can't avoid in which you're thrown in prison. I mean, how does that sound? And I don't want that. I want to be out here. I want to be free out here. <laughs> Look at this. But there may be a time when you can't avoid it. And that scenario is what God wants. Is that, if that's true, if God, if it's God's will for you to go to prison, to be on the losing end of a political battle, to be punished for it, is that something that you can deal with, can live with? That's a question we got to ask ourselves. If we have faith in the Lord, none of us want that, but if we have faith in the Lord, we know that that's his will. And that's an inevitable scenario just because we're living in this world and America's going the way it's going and I live in America and you know, if you can avoid it, good. But when, if you take into account all the responsibilities you have and you realize, man, I need to be here and that means risking myself, saying things that could get me in trouble, get me canceled or worse, can you live with a good, gracious God allowing that and then using you through that? That is a hard question and it's one that I wrestle with because again, we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid, and that's a God-given thing. We should try, but when uh, our duties are calling and when we know that the sovereign hand of the Lord is in it and there's no escaping it and it's either our convictions or punishment, we need to choose punishment. We need to, um, we need to do the right thing despite the circumstances that, the negative circumstances that might arise from doing the right thing. Knowing in the end that as beautiful as it is in this world, and I'm at one of the points in which it's the most beautiful, there's a place far more beautiful than this. And there's a communion that we can have with God, but he promised never to leave nor forsake us. So there's a, there's a communion we can have with God, even in the darkest of places. There's the light of Christ still shines. And so when I come to a place like this, I'm just reminded about how good God is, how amazing his creative ability is. And if this is good, man, it must be really good after, after death or when we see Jesus come. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. And putting our minds on eternal things is I think how we live in the temporal realm. People who don't put their minds on eternal things and try to live in the temporal realm are gonna wind up hyper-politicized, or if it's not political, it's something else. It's, they're, they're focused on something of this, of this tangible existence that doesn't give them meaning or purpose, doesn't answer the big questions. But you become stressed, you become anxious, you, become, you pursue things that are in vain. I was just, uh, yesterday in Hollywood, um, my wife had never seen that section. And since I was, I was born in California, I come out all the time. I've been to Grauman's Chinese Theater and 
uh, that whole area in West Hollywood before. It's not a place I make a habit of going, but she thought, I just want to see it. So we, so we went down there and I thought, wow, look at all the glitter and just all these, you, you walk all, all these stars on the sidewalk. Now with homeless people and litter and just not like it was when I remember, but they have these stars for mostly dead people, people that couldn't take it with them, people that enjoyed perhaps the height of success, maybe even people that have a, a good legacy right now. But guess what? Probably a good third of the people, the stars on the sidewalks at least or more, I didn't even recognize their names. Some of them were popular in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, long before I was born and they, they aren't remembered except because they have a little plaque somewhere. And that's what the Bible says. Does The Bible says that the earth is fading. It's luster fading. The one who does the will of the Lord will endure forever. So if you live for that, if you consider yourself to be a failure, if people aren't remembering you, or if your political objective isn't, uh, doesn't win, or if, you know, you, aren't, you don't reach some level of success in this life that you think you should reach. If you live for those things, you're going to be discouraged. But if you live for eternal things and you keep perspective and you uh, put the responsibilities God has for you at the fore, you're not going to be hopeless and discouraged. You're going to accept the circumstances that arise and you're going to rise to meet those challenges to the best of the ability that you have and whatever ability you don't have, you're gonna to leave to the Lord. And that's the only way there is to live. So I hope you enjoyed this little talk by the beach. <laughs> don't expect too many more of them. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back to my desk and doing some podcasts, but, uh, but for now, I'm, I'm good with this. I, we, we, can, uh, we can put that off a little while. God bless.